Hello and welcome to another episode of Biomass. I think we're on episode 150, which is pretty cool. We're, we're uh, quickly approaching that one year mark, so it's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, but, one uh, year mark? Three years. Three years, whatever. God damn it. This is why you just edit me out of the show, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, anyways, let's get started with some uh, introductions here, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. Hi, I'm Sarizel. I'm a co-host here on the show. Um... I have Mass Effect and Zelda, I play a lot of Overwatch, and uh, Here's the Storm, and um, I, I have a lot of cardboard at my house that needs to be disposed of. Have you played more of uh, Mass Effect this week? No. Okay, well, never mind <laughs> no, no, I got a day off and I slept, that's, that's, okay. that's it. Okay, fair enough. All right, Bait, you're up, man. Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Bait, and I forgot to take the red stuff off of the bologna before I made a fried bologna sandwich. The what? The red stuff. You know, the, the shit that when you buy bologna is on the, uh, around the circumference of, uh, of the thing? Uh, oh. I forgot to take it off. I put it on my sandwich. I'm sorry if you're lost. Yeah. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I don't even want to think about what that looks I'm like. Just... <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> All right, Livy, you're up. Uh, yeah, I'm Livy. Uh, I have a little bit of toddler aggro, so bear with me today. Um, do blogging, and uh, I can top the cardboard bologna. I actually baked the pizza on the cardboard, and that was very disappointing because I was still hungry. Uh, when was this? Uh, college, you know, when you learn all the big things in life. When, you, when you, you're forced to adult just a little bit for the first time? I was, like, super quick. I just pulled out of the box and shoved it in, and I was like, what's that boarding smell? <laughs> uh, it could be worse if you could have left the plastic on it, but it real fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, our, our guest uh, guest for the day, uh, Neil Pert. What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm just laying the beat down. So uh, I my name's Jason, and uh, I'm also one of the original purveyors of the biomass media empire, such as it is. Such as it is. And uh, since we're hitting episode 150, the only thing I got on that one is um, that's that's also known as the uh, the professor's cube. Uh, so 150 is also indicative of the professor's version of the Rubik's cube. It's a five by five by five version of the Rubik's cube, slightly bigger than your kind of your average one uh, that you probably dealt with when you were a kid. So that's that's probably the best I got right now in terms of like random trivia facts for the number. Uh, I used to, I was a big Rubik's cube uh, guy when I was when I was growing up. You know, back when we played pong and shit like that. All right, fantastic. And of course, I'm Pokey Draven. I help host the show, uh, write for the blog on a very rare occasion, and I play a lot of games. And in the 150 factor I've got for this week is there are 150 stars in the DS remake of Mario 64, which was a really, really good remake of the DS. So big fan of that one. I actually completed and got all 150 stars on that. So that's that's my factoid for the episode number here. But uh, moving along. So uh, April Fool's obviously was yesterday. Um, kind of tame this year, I think. What what, what you guys think? Yeah, it, it's. I think I think a big part of it was Saturday. Um, nobody likes yeah. pushing stuff out on Saturday when a lot of these big uh, a lot of these big April Fool's jokes are, are usually done by by companies. Um, you know, there there was the usual entrance. You know, Google had a couple as always. My favorite thing about uh, Google April Fool's jokes at this point is nobody's good at reminding you how stupid Google products are than Google is. Um, the Google Gnome uh, would be the the standout one there that uh, I was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty stupid, and so is your actual product, but. 
Uh, it's not a show that without Zell, you know, bitching about Google at least once, right? Sorry, sorry. Well, you know, and it was it was much more. Uh, it, it felt like much more of an ad than previous years as well. They, I mean, they they had their little Google gnome, and then right at the bottom was like a of the page was like an eight inch high ad to buy a Google Home. Um, I was like, all right, whatever. Okay, not as fun as the one that uh, Amazon put out for uh, Echo with Pet Lexa to allow your pets to use uh, your Alexa now. Um, I didn't. I didn't see that. That sounds awesome. I'll, I'll, they, I'll look they, for that. They they have one where they've got a Fitbit wrapped around the abdomen of a uh, hamster running on a wheel. <laughs> and then the uh, and then the um the uh, the Alexa's giving him updates on his step count. Like, okay, you're at a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. You should take a break. You know, it was pretty funny. And they've got a, a cat and a dog that are, are talking to the Alexas. It was pretty good stuff. But uh, there were a few good ones out there, kind of for the the gaming realm as as well. I, I kind of asked the guys to pick out their Half favorite Life ones. <laughs> was there Half Life three? Half Life three one? I just assumed there was, but there's one for every. There's one every year for like the last however many years. <laughs> Of course, you got to troll the uh, the Valve rabid fanboys and fangirls. But uh, uh, what about you, Zell? What what, uh, what gaming uh, April Fool's joke did you did you pick up on? I, I saw this one that uh, it was really one of the only ones I saw this year. Um, it's just uh, this uh, PC Games End site, um, and it was it was like a, an announcement from Nvidia and AMD that really they all just make the same. They, they just make the same graphic cards and then paint them either either green or red and, and <laughs> that's the whole the whole deal and that they you know enjoy watching people you know factionalize amongst what's what's really just the same product you got cat Merck craw- clawing at the wall freaking out at that statement <laughs> you should see the uh, pc discord chat uh, that they're always rambling on about all kinds of shit that i have no idea what they're talking about but i'm, i well, assume it's all very interesting let me just be clear Catmark is wrong. Oh boy! I I don't know you said that. I I all right. Yeah, hopefully he listens. I I know nobody listens, but hopefully sure, at least sure. at least he listens. And and you know, I actually I don't go in the, the so I I did you know as some people may know I I broke down. I do have Discord now, um, but uh, I don't go in the PC building help channel because I I can't I can't even some of the things people say about how to build PCs. I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I, I'm, I don't want to tell them all the ways they're wrong. And so I just, I just avoid it. I just see it in the stream of acronyms and numbers and go, uh, just tell me what to put in the box and I'll do it. You know, I don't really care. Um, but yeah. Uh, Bate, did you have any, anything you saw that you liked? Uh, yeah. Somebody, the Fallout 4 modding community, um, actually came up with a really funny idea. So this one kind of calls back to there's a game a couple years ago on the PS3 called Heavy Rain. Um, and the the idea is one of these point-and-click uh, games similar to uh, to the Telltale Walking Dead games. And uh, I guess there's a meme that came from it where uh, so going into the story of the game, you're, you're trying to find your son. Right? And well, your son's name just so happens to be, to be Sean. Right, so there was a glitch in 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 uh, Heavy Rain where you would press X to yell your son's name as you're like leaning over his dead body grieving, and so somebody took that into Fallout Four, and every time the protagonist in Fallout says says Sean, uh, there was dialogue assigned to to push X to to call for Sean. I got to chuckle out of that one. 
<laughs> I, I actually remember that that from heavier rain it was it was a lot of pretty funny videos going on about that so that's that's pretty fun to see in the in fallout they're kind of paying homage to that uh jay Livy, did you have anything that you picked up on uh i think probably the best one i saw today was uh george uh takai's little twitter or i think yeah, i'm pretty sure it's twitter basically said he's gonna he's gonna run for uh for congress against the uh, uh representative devin nunez he's that guy from california that uh that did the whole like i found out an incredible secret need to run to donald trump and tell him you know about the, the whole russian hacking thing or whatever it was uh brought a lot you know a lot of people up in arms about it um so people i i think he actually got picked up by actual real live media as a thing until people figured out it was an April fool. So, so I suspect that was a, uh, that was probably the, the most timely and well-played April fools one that I've seen. I will say, I will say, tell you this though, last year I actually got uh, hooked on as hard as I've ever been hooked on an April fools gig, mostly because I absolutely didn't know what day it was. I, I was barely aware it was April and, um, there was a poster that came out that was really, really good. It was, you know, as many of these are very well made. Uh, it was uh, Bruce Campbell, you know, of B movie fame, uh, dressed up in a really sharp uh, blue suit, had a martini in his hand, and there's a huge picture of a TARDIS back behind him. It says, "After 40 years, finally the Doctor is coming to America." I, I was like beside myself with joy for about 15 minutes, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, this." this can't be right. So I started Googling it and then, uh, you know, just rafts of PTSD going on across the internet when they, when they realized it was, uh, it was April fools. So well played, but I still actually have that as one of my, uh, my rotating screensaver, uh, screensaver picks. That's pretty awesome. And, and one that I, I also picked up on that, that wasn't so much a joke because it actually happened, but it's, it's classic, uh, world of tanks is they have, uh, I think going on until today, so you you probably won't be able to, to pick it up if you don't know about it already when the this, this show comes out. But uh, they have Mars mode in World of yep. Tanks, where and basically, it is fun <laughs> yeah, you're you're basically the same gameplay as World of Tanks, but you're on Mars and there's UFOs and you now shoot lasers. Um, so it like it's low gravity, everything like this guy goes off a hill and you're flying halfway across the map and you're skidding around corners and total insanity. Like it's, it's great stuff. I think they had a trailer for, it and it is, it, it is actually playable, which is pretty badass. I always love their, uh, their promotional stuff. So uh, props to, to Wargaming for that one for Mars mode and world of tanks. That's a pretty cool one. But yeah, so some pretty good stuff, but there were some other things that did happen this week, which are pretty neat. Uh, Spider-Man homecoming new trailer came out. Uh, what'd you guys think of that one? So excited. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of, I'm, I'm not a big Spider-Man fan after like the first, uh, like in the, in the movie universe, the, the first, uh, what's his name? Toby McGuire. When he did the first one, that was actually pretty solid as an origin story kind of thing, but they rapidly tailed off in quality after that. This looks pretty intriguing. I thought Tom Holland was a good choice for the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, and, and in the, and the true irony, I love the fact that uh, Michael Keaton is playing the Vulture, fresh off of his success as Birdman. So that there's there's a touch of uh, sarcasm there, but he looks pretty good in that. That and I like kind of like how they did the. Um, it looks like his suit is a pieced together piece, uh, from the the Chitauri tech from the original Avengers, which I, I think that's actually a pretty cool way to handle some of that actually. 
I think for me, it's just nice to see them actually finally, hopefully committing to, yep, this is going to be the Spider-Man. We're not going to keep rebooting it 12 times. You know, it, this is going to be part of our extended universe. And we're going to run with this. So I, I'm just kind of glad that they'll actually stick with it, but I mean, it looks, it looks pretty solid. I, I'm not too versed in, you know, the, the lore of, of Spider-Man. I'm not a huge comic, uh, comic book buff, but is this like part of like the actual story that was in the comics or is this kind of just an offshoot that they're doing to, to tie in with the Avengers and all that? Uh, I don't, I, I can't put my finger on it. If this is a, if, if they're taking like notes or threads out of any of the marquee kind of storylines from Spider-Man history, I don't, I don't really think they are. Uh, I, we'll probably, you'll probably see shades of that here and there. I think they're, they're sort of, which is, I kind of like this. They're actually not doing an origin story is from, from what I can tell of this outside. Of, I'm sure there's going to be a flashback here or there, but it is much more of he's existing in this universe and let's pick him up sort of not quite midstream, but he's already an established entity. This also kind of goes with the more, one of the more modern kind of touches on Spider-Man. They've revamped him a couple times more in the, more in the cartoon series is, uh, as opposed to the comics where he's one of the, the many heroes that either shield and or Tony Stark or some combination uh, like younger people that they've sort of kept an eye on or actually had a, a hand in their development. You generally let them do their own thing. But so uh, there's clearly that overtone with Tony Stark sort of being the uh, kind of the big brother sort of figure, at least uh, in the trailer. Now it would not surprise me if Robert Downey Jr. is in this movie, a grand total of maybe, you know, two and a half minutes, and we've seen about thirty seconds of it in the trailers. I don't think he's going to be in it a lot longer than that. Uh, he probably he probably will, but it it uh, it also wouldn't surprise me. They, I think they're trying to make this more of a vehicle for Tom Holland, so they they I don't think they want to I don't think they want to bring him in there too much. He he will probably be a noted supporting character in this, uh, in an in an interesting way because there's there's is some discussion about as they go forward in these Marvel movies. Does Robert Downey Jr. continue to? This is like sort of like not in the storyline things like for realsies. If he kind of takes more of the Samuel L. Jackson role that he had in the first several movies, where it's like he comes in for brief snippets, uh, really to help tie the universe together and collects a fat paycheck because his name is on the marquee, which is still a pretty viable strategy if you think about it. Yeah, uh, it's it's we saw. I, I can see it kind of panning out that way. That that would probably fit well for what they're trying to do. And and like you said, I, I don't think they want to have him in there too much, just because you don't want it to fixate too much on the Stark element, because it is a Spider-Man movie, and you know it, you don't want to mix other characters in there too much, or they're not really integral to the story they're trying to tell. So should be good to see. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. In other movie news, Zell uh, was able to go see Ghost in the Shell this past week. So we're going to kind of get his spoiler-free review. I have not seen it. I know Libby hasn't seen it. Uh, I don't think Bader or Jay have seen it either. So uh, do keep the – oh, did, did you see it, Jay? Yeah, I, I, okay. I, did, I did take a look at it. Okay, okay. Well, then we'll, we'll have both your thoughts on it. But this is a spoiler-free. We'll, we'll probably wait two weeks as per usual before we do an actual spoiler Spoiler cast on it, but uh, I'll I'll kind of hand this over to uh, Zell to start off with his uh, his review. All right. Um. So yeah, it was it was this was definitely one of those that I really didn't know um exactly what I was going to get into. Um. In part because I've not seen the um the actual movies uh for Ghost in the Shell. I've only seen the series. Um. As well as the fact that you know it's it's 
it, it, it almost feels to me like I'm looking at something that's going to be like almost like a video game mo- movie conversion where there's just such this big, the, such a major change in format um, t- to the to the big movie franchise type of deal. Um, and uh, I, I would say I, I enjoyed it and I would say I enjoyed it better than I thought I might. Um, the the biggest thing that I, I would highlight is the cinematography was fantastic. Um it was it it was definitely one of those movies that without losing its dark tone was very very bright and colorful and visually engaging throughout the entire movie um i was actually a friend of mine and i were discussing that it actually it, it almost feels like it has a little bit of the visual style uh of uh dread if if you remember seeing that um where they they really just used color and and stuff well there wasn't there wasn't uh there wasn't a lot of like shaky cam and in various scenes and it really wasn't totally dependent on on action to to drive it um i don't know if it felt like it was the the strongest storytelling i've seen it i guess they they kind of picked bits and pieces from from different stories um i think there is a lot of the original movie that's supposed to be in this but i know that there's like uh one of the main characters was uh really from the the second season of the series so they 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 definitely kind of sampled um as they went around um i enjoyed it i had a lot of fun with it but uh that that's kind of where my thoughts are okay so that's that's from the perspective of someone who hasn't seen the original film uh now jay i know you have seen the original anime what were your thoughts on it uh well okay so First off, I would say that Zell's – I was actually very interested in what Zell was going to say about this because I knew he was not as familiar with the property, um, purely purely for the reason of trying to compare and contrast. He, he is absolutely spot on that the uh, the look and the tone, uh, cinematography as, as an overall discussion point, uh, was really, really good. Like the, mu- the movie itself looks exceptional. Uh, it's pretty well acted. Uh, there certainly no issues with any of the main the main characters. Nobody's mailing it in, uh, so to speak. Um, it does deviate a little bit. There, there's a few. There, there are some points that kind of get away from the. I can't really talk about it if we're going to go with a like a no spoilers kind of type of thing. But there's a few areas where you, where you get away from the original source material. Some of it is additive, uh, not so much. They they change things, but more like they kind of filled in the blanks on some things. Uh, you, like you, you get some a, a little bit more sense of what the characters were doing before the start of the original Ghost in the Shell anime anime movie. Uh, overall, I, I thought it was actually really good. Uh, it is not gonna it's not a summer blockbuster, you know, I, by any stretch. But if you enjoy the genre and you like kind of that uh, tech noir. Cyber, you know, cyberpunk kind of thing. Uh, it's really good. I think you'll like it more if you weren't, if you're not a just a steep dyed in the wool Ghost in the Shell fan. You, you'll probably enjoy it more. But it's actually pretty solid. And 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 I had to kind of divorce myself a little bit from the, uh, you know, because I'm a big fan of the of the original anime. It it is different enough that you got to kind of let this stand on its own. But it's pretty solid. It's it's actually pretty well pretty well crafted. Uh, but it's also probably for a little bit more of a niche market in terms of uh, who it's going to reach, uh, you know, for for a broad spectrum audience, I suspect. 
Now, the original piece was obviously, it got pretty deep into some philosophical ideas. Does the uh, live-action film kind of glaze, you know, gloss over those, or does it actually get into it to the same sort of degree that the original did? It, it does. Um, uh, it, it is a little bit more, it, it is definitely a little bit different. Uh, so it, a lot of those keynotes that it had about like kind of the, like the definition of who, who is human or what is human, it kind of, it definitely gets into some of those discussions. Now it, it's this, it's kind of in this weird, I'll just be honest with you, it's in kind of a weird place because I was so familiar with the, with the original material. In fact, I went back and watched Ghost in the Shell, the, you know, the original anime uh, the day before I went and saw this in the movie, just so I could kind of have it fresh. I, I honestly probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, because while there are some derivations in, in the movie, it is definitely a lot of those key points. It does hit, you know, like, you know, the definition of being a human and what is human. Uh, it does flesh it out. I think a little, in some ways, a little bit more in the movie, but it, it didn't feel new or it didn't feel like, uh, as unique as it did when I first saw the anime. Does that make, that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally hear what you're saying. So overall it's it sounds like it's a it's a pretty solid movie especially if you're not as familiar with, with the base material it's it's nothing incredible but probably worth seeing if you like that uh that genre or that that sort of um you know visual style that sort of thing but if you're are familiar you should try to let it stand on its own a little bit and not you know constantly be comparing it to the original because it is different um in some key ways is, is that about right yeah and and honestly i, I think it's actually i, I would recommend it you know, I, I would say it's probably, you know, worth the, you know, hour and 45 to our two hour mix for the movie. It, it, it is, it is not good. It is, it, it's nowhere near like the quality of something like Logan that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I mean, it's not even remotely in that, in that ballpark, but as a good, you know, I can justify the move, the, the money I spend on the popcorn, the soda in the movie. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty fair. And I mean, it's, it's also kind of important because you, you rarely see live action adaptations for uh, animes or games and they're usually total shit when they do it. So I think the fact that they were able to produce at least a, a passable as a you know, passable movie that was actually pretty good is, is a good stepping stone, even if it didn't quite live up to everything that the, the original had. But I mean, that it is a pretty high, high bar to meet because the original was quite good. So uh, good to hear. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping we'll see it this week. Um, if not, I'll, I'll definitely see it before uh, before we do kind of a, the spoiler review of it with, with everyone. So looking forward to that. Right. Sounds good. Okay. In other news for gaming and other things you can do, uh, Final Fantasy XIV has kind of uh, fallen the same steps as CCP has, and that their trial is now... Uh, without a time limit. So you can level up your character or any of the classes available in the base game to level 35, and there is no uh, time period that you have to kind of work around. It used to be two weeks, um, and that's gone now. So that lets you kind of get in there, take your time, try everything out, um, progress a bit through the story. Uh, the story is, has benchmarks. So you have to be a certain level to progress, so you, you will eventually get blocked off. We we'll, won't be able to continue the story, but... Uh, uh, level 35 isn't bad. That's um, the max level cap right now is 60, so it kind of gives you an idea of how much content there is. Uh, when the upcoming expansion comes out in June, that's going up to uh, 70. So uh, just something to kind of keep in mind. Uh, if you play the trial and then you decide to upgrade your account to a subscription based, you unlock, of course, everything, um, no level cap, and all of your progress will transfer over. 
And also, if you are playing on PS4, uh, it does not require PlayStation Plus to play Final Fantasy XIV. So you can get on there, even, even if you don't have PlayStation Plus, and give it a shot, uh, and kind of take your time with it, and see what you think. I think that's kind of going to be the the path that a lot of subscription-based MMOs are going now. It, it seems like the, the idea of a time trial is... It, it kind of sells the game short, I think, and I think that's kind of why... Uh, CCP did it. Obviously, they had the two to three week trial, and anyone who has played Eve can tell you that that's nowhere near enough time to even get into anything appreciable in the game. Um, and Final Pass is kind of the same deal. Like it's it's hard to kind of get the full breadth of what's going on in just two weeks. So I think it's probably to these game companies' advantages that you know let's give people some more time. We'll put some extra restrictions on them. Like you can't you know, use certain chapters because they got to kind of help block, um, you know, uh, gold spammers, uh, if you're familiar with MMOs, so they can't go too crazy with it. But, uh, you know, it, it is good for uh, for the company, and I think it's good for consumers to kind of get their a chance to, to try these MMOs in a setting, in a time frame that's a little more reasonable given the format. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to see this trend continuing on, and I kind of do hope that they keep doing it with other games as well. Yeah, no, I I would definitely agree with you that that is that they're I think the the tides of money, if you will, are shifting in that direction in terms of how they want to dangle or try to hook really really hook people into some of these MMOs is definitely changing in that way. Pokey, uh, I I think a game like Final Fantasy different than one of the more you know Final Fantasy from what what I can tell of it, and I'm definitely a dilettante in in that gaming sort of IP. Uh, that that is as deep, or it can be as deep as you want it to be, so to speak. I think it's also more accessible though than something like Eve. I think Eve it doesn't really work, and you see what they're doing over there in Eve Online. They're really doing some radical shifts over the last year or so to try to change people's uh, maybe, if not their experience, what they can access. Because that was always you know that's always one of the biggest beefs with these games is you can't really do anything enjoyable till a much later you know, later date. I think with a game like Final Fantasy, though, that's a little bit different than something that's effectively like a space naval combat game, you know, know, with EVE Online. I think where you have more of a traditional sort of like avatar-based activity going on in Final Fantasy, if you're in like that trial period, most of, usually that's, if you think about it, that's why the the leveling power curve works the way it does. It lets you play for a little while, it, it can, or it can let you play for a little while and you rapidly level up or you get the feeling that you rapidly level up, but it doesn't really sink into you that there's really, uh, you know, the, the power creep and the leveling creep gets really, really high at, at, a, at a point, usually just beyond what your free trial or your casual player will get into about the time when it really wants you to sink money into microtransactions or really invest some serious time is usually where you, you get that recognized point. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right that it takes a lot of different forms and, you know, especially for like you said with Eve, their format of gameplay is very different than, than something like a traditional MMO, like final fantasy or world of Warcraft. And, and they, admittedly have to do some some weird stuff to uh to you know get it to work in a way that you can have a, a time having a, a trial with no time limit and then still have it make sense for what you're doing because obviously there's no level cap and and that sort of thing um and so it is it is different for sure i think that uh part of it part of why you're seeing this is is not just you know, subscription MMOs are very, you can only really have 
most players only have one or two. So there's a very limited, you know, field of, of players. I think subscription games are kind of going out of style to some degree. Um, and the biggest risk with an online game is if you fall under a certain number of players, the experience starts to suck for the for the for everyone else. So I, I think to some degree that you put this in, you know, where you have like a, a very light version of free to play where where most players that are really reliably playing are still going to subscribe is you get just more people for for matchmaking purposes and and you know having enough people in the world for for the game to really continue to feel like an MMO and the other challenge that I always had was you know when I played uh World of Warcraft or even um Black Desert which is uh, also I think still paid to start I think um but doesn't have a monthly, but it's always challenging to drag someone into a game that's going to cost them either 15 bucks a month or $60. Um, so there's, it's actually a lot easier to grab your friends and play with them on some game that's free to play. And I think that they're kind of trying to get that where, you know, you could be like, just, Hey, you know, I, I know you don't want to subscribe to this really, but just come join me in this game for a while. You actually raised a couple of really good points there um, with kind of bringing in players that are, are lower level. In in a lot of these games, at the end game, they have to um, entice high-level players to do lower-level content usually just to, to populate the content. So when new players do come in, there are people actually doing that content that they can get into it and do it in a timely manner. And I think one way of, of kind of help push that along is let people in for free. Um, if they're interested in the game, they'll probably hit that level cap and they're going to be playing up through that and help populate those, those lower level areas and, and keep things, you know, flowing smoothly. And Final Fantasy is not having any issues with player counts right now. They're actually doing quite well, but I, I think that that's actually a really good side effect that it, it does keep those lower level things populated. Uh, as for getting people to give it a shot, Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's, especially with an MMO, like you said, people usually only play one, maybe two, but it's usually only one because they're very time consuming. To get someone to actually give it a shot, you kind of got to let them try it for free. Not many people are going to drop, um, you know, 40 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever the, the, the base package for that the game at the time is, unless they're really sure they actually want to invest in some serious time into it. And I think giving them a free trial and giving them enough time to actually experience playing it with friends, uh, particularly if there is, you know, co-op stuff that they can do together, letting them get in for free is, is, is going to kind of help facilitate that and, and encourage people to actually continue on and give it a shot. So I think overall it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big positive and I, I do hope we see more of it. Um, and of course, Jay does, does raise good points about, you know, uh, leveling curves and how that works with, you know, when the drop off happens and, and when you start actually having to kind of grind through and then dedicate a lot of time into it, uh, does kind of correlate it with when that trial ends. So once you do commit to it and get past that, uh, that wall, there's, you know, there's, there's, it's a, it's a slightly different game, you know, and that, that kind of changes over time as you progress through it in that style of game. But, you know, it, it kind of depends on, on the game, so to speak. So another game that's got some uh, some cool changes coming to it is Heroes of the Storm. So I'm going to hand this over to Zell to talk about the new 2.0 update that they're doing. It sounds like they're changing quite a bit of stuff, aren't they? So um, the the joke that uh, my friend who knows Python uh, made was that they're importing Overwatch. Um, <laughs> they uh, 
they have good. grabbed a whole bunch of features that uh, from Overwatch, and and they're gonna just dump them into Heroes of the Storm. Which, you know, from a from a progression and and customization standpoint, there's really there's really a lot of similarities between the two the way the two games are designed, and obviously they're by the same company. Um, so like some of the things that they're adding, um, are sprays, which are, are kind of a big deal in Overwatch and they're adding voice lines that you can, you know, select, uh, unlock and then select and, and drop at your leisure. Um, they're going to have these, uh, like customizable banners that appear over objectives when you complete them. So people know who just was awesome. Um, they're going to have, like, uh, in, the, in the maps, there are in-game announcers, and they're going to let you replace those with, like, a voice pack from some other character. Um, and then they're adding chat emojis, which are character-specific as well. Um, and then on top of all this, they're adding, like... And these are... They're, they're doing a loot box system for this, of course, um, which is also very, very Overwatch-ish. Um, and then uh, a s- additional currency method to... Uh, grind down duplicate items so that you can craft the items that you actually want. Um, so n- very little, really nothing in terms of uh, in-match changes. This is all just a big change to their out-of-game progression system, and uh, it's it's all retroactive. They're changing some of the uh, rates that they they uh, apply character levels and hero levels. Um, in my case, like your character, your your account caps at like level 40 and then each character currently caps at level 20 and so you know you hit 40 when you play a lot you hit it pretty quick and then you know if you have like a main character you're gonna hit 20 on that and then currently you are gaining nothing after that um whereas you used to get you know little rewards each level or two um and the way they're they're now removing caps on both your 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 account level and your your individual hero levels so that they and they are going to re redistribute all of those levels based on existing player um content and give you all the retroactive loot boxes up to a cap of 70 loot boxes so um i'll probably just get straight 70 loot boxes when they when they release this update um which is coming on april 25th um but you can you can play their open beta for the new progression system now that sounds pretty cool. It's it's good to see that they're obviously learning from their other franchises and, and transferring over what's what's working well and, and kind of providing a more uh, universal system, I guess. So people who play those products are, are kind of familiar with how everything's going to work, even if you're new to that particular uh, that particular IP. So that's that's cool to see. Yeah, and and I mean the the customization options in Heroes were was uh, you know fairly limited. They had obviously they sold they like. Uh, you know, League of Legends and such as well. They sell skins, um, and uh, they had mounts because, unlike League of Legends, this game has mounts. But those are really the only two customizable things you could buy. And so now they're they're kind of reaching it out. Obviously, it is still a free to play game, unlike Overwatch. So um, all of these things can t- can continue to be purchased with uh, real money. I think for the existing uh, purchasable items like skins and mounts, and then I, for the other stuff, I think you probably have to buy loot boxes um but i haven't tried it yet all right sounds pretty cool so that's that's a good update on the heroes of the storm uh now one big one big announcement that i'm sure a lot of people have already heard about uh is of course destiny 2 trailers that dropped there was a trailer and then there's a trailer 
for the trailer because I guess that's what we do now. We have teasers for our teasers. Um, <laughs> did you, I believe they're referred guys... to as sizzlers. <laughs> oh, jeez. Did, did you... <laughs> Regardless, did you guys uh, check out both those videos? I, you know, the 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 one I saw, and I don't know if this is one of the two you linked, to be honest, because I didn't check. Um, but there's one about two different people like trying to give an inspiring speech, and there's one that was really inspiring and one that was totally not. Um, do, is is that one of those? That that's that's the main one. There's a, okay. there was a teaser that came out a couple days before that one, uh, featuring the character uh, Kate Six, who was giving the not so inspiring speech. Um, retelling kind of the events of of what happened before the, all of this went down so okay so i did watch the trailer that we're talking about cool. you you saw the main trailer which gave absolutely nothing in terms of what the game is going to actually be like which is what i care about but you know it was it was kind of cute so uh, good to see that coming out hmm. it was all right yeah yeah i mean it was I, i've become so jaded with cinematic trailers because i'm like well that's that's great you're hyping but what's the game actually look like i've been burned too many times especially by destiny one which is why i'm i'm, I'm very very um apprehensive about this one i mean it looked i, I mean for I'm, i had to watch it with almost no sound so i'm i'm probably maybe not the best person to comment on it entirely but it honestly looked about of the same quality as many of the original destiny you know destiny trailers those really nice cinematics that they had and, and i'll be honest with you i don't know that i could tell you really the difference between a destiny one and like destiny two trailer uh just by looking at those there's nothing in there that says oh that's clearly a something that i haven't seen before kind of thing it had 100 percent more nathan fillion it's about <laughs> the only it's about the only difference well that's probably a good thing hey real quick though while we're talking about voice actors for that trailer who was the dude who did the voice for the blue fella? Anybody know? Because I feel like I've heard that voice before. Yeah, you have, but I have to look it up. Um, yeah, no, that's he, he, that's I think that's that's a pretty common voice actor that did that. But yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it basically it just kind of introduces the story that hey, the tower got attacked by Cabal of this one faction, and the reason why your gear is not transferring from Destiny One is because it got blown up is basically the the excuse they're going with which you know we, we we've talked about in the past thoughts on on gear not transferring and whatnot but that's that's kind of the angle they're going with it is eh, the tower's gone which is where all your shit was so you have to go and get more um elsewhere so you know clean start going into destiny 2 um i personally think it's probably a positive just because the first game was so messed up and how gear progression worked in my opinion uh but yeah one interesting thing i noticed is that you don't see a single ghost in either of those trailers which is kind of a big part of the story right like the creator that sorry the traveler created all of the ghosts and they kind of go around and, and revive the, the the um revive the guardians when they die and that's kind of part of the lore and why you're effectively immortal um but there weren't any in the trailer which i thought was kind of interesting so i'm not sure what or lore implications are there but uh again this this didn't really tell you much it was just to get the hype stream rolling uh but yeah so destiny 2 is slated to release september 8th this year that is uh that is correct that what we talked about last week with that that leaked uh promotional material um there is a kind of lost the date here there there is a live gameplay coming up uh sometime in may which they're gonna actually show off what the game is is playing like not just cinematics so that will be good to see kind of see what they're going with that and probably of course more at e3 before we kind of lead up into the 
crashing hype train going into September for this thing. But uh, <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bitter if you can't I can't tell. Um, but one thing that Zell might be interested in is that they have confirmed that Destiny 2 will be available on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. So if you are a PC player and weren't able to play the game, you can get in on the action for Destiny 2. Oh, that's cool. No, I hadn't heard that. So there will yeah. there will actually be, like, this will be playable on the real the real way to play games. The, the real way to play, yeah. Um, but PS4 still has some exclusive content that will be exclusive to PS4 for at of least course. one year. Of yeah, course. It, honestly, it was like one mission and two weapons at launch for Destiny 1, it, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like, you know, it's not like you're going to be playing against people that have the stuff that you can't get. So unless you are really married to getting those particular items or doing that particular mission, um, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it in terms of the, you know, the exclusive content for PlayStation. So I, I wouldn't worry too much if you're, if you want to play on PC. So they are dropping, of course, PS3 support that happens um, with the rise of iron expansion. So that's, that's already said and done with, but it is going to be exclusively next gen consoles and PC moving forward from here. So in other news, star citizen update, Zell, anything interesting with this it one? Just, just it's out. It's, uh, it's I, out. I mean, I, I'm, I enjoyed money, the, money, the money, whole... money, money. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know they they it's a pretty extensive list of patch notes um but uh you know it's it's just it's pretty big for a for a a minor revision patch the next one's supposed to be 3.0 we'll see if it happens uh or if they put another patch in between or not um you know it's exci- it's exciting hype so, so oh, i'm sorry go ahead jay uh no i, I was just kind of curious like what is the the frequency of they they seem to you know, literally be sort of continuing to build the game in flight uh, with like large scale patches, or you could refer to them as things they're supposed to be developing. Um, it, what is the pace that they normally release significant updates or upgrades to the game on? <laughs> pace. Uh, it's almost like you think they have a plan. Um, y- you know, it seems like every every 10 to 12 months, there's like a major, major version Um where you know you see like the launch of star marine or something like that um you know that was i i want to say that was in what november december was it right around christmas that they came out with star marine that sounds um, right and uh i, I think we're kind of expecting 3.0 to probably get pushed off and pushed off until it's somewhere around you know the the end of the year this year too um but uh yeah, it it doesn't really have they don't really have like a good straight cadence with it. I th- I think a lot of the big question that people have right now is um you know is, is Star Citizens the the MMO the persistent online experience thing, but the other half of what you know they've promised is this single player game Squadron Forty Two, um and I think a lot of what they've been doing has been focused on that, and then they've you know, as some of that stuff has been relevant to both games because they're built on the same game engine and they're they're using all the same technologies and, and assets, you know, something will be made for Squadron 42's team and then they'll put it in Star Citizen's alpha as well. Um, and so, but the big thing is, is that this single player game, they do not talk at all about their progress on it. Um, you know, as the, the online game has, has regular regular updates and you know they're they're talking about it all the time but every time people ask anything about you know where the progress is on the single player game it's very very like 
well, we don't want to spoil the surprise, you know, the very, very CCP um, answer to that. And so I have a, I, I get this feeling that that's kind of going to be a big thing that they're, they're pushing to finish across this year, but I don't, I, I kind of think it's going to be a 2018 thing that where it comes out sometime early next year. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, they've, they've done like, they've done all the, all the, uh, they've had actors in and done all the motion capture and everything like that. Um, for the single player cinematics and stuff, they just haven't, they're very hesitant to show any of it. And what stuff do they have planned for 3.0? They talked about that at all. Um, 3.0 is supposed to be a pretty big expansion of like from where we are now is like one planet and its moons. And they're talking about moving out to a whole solar system worth. And I think they were doing like the mining and, and resources and st- and industry stuff like that, which there there's none of in the current game, really. Gotcha. Quickly backtracking to the destiny stuff. Um, it looks like May 18th is going to be that gameplay reveal I was talking about. And the voice actor that Bate was looking for is uh, Lance Reddick, who plays uh, Commander Zavala in uh, Destiny. That's that's the blue guy in the in the trailer. Oh, okay. Familiar with the name? No, uh, was no. There? Wait a minute. Wait, which one are you talking about? Like uh, the the blue guy in the, the Destiny the, Two trailer? Good, good. Mm, I thought that was the guy. Lance Reddick is the is the guy the concierge in John Wick. Yeah. Oh no! Okay, yeah, you're right. I, th- so that confused me. So there was there was him, and then there was the other guy who was uh, he was one of the thugs in Snatch. Uh, he's he's kind of a you know kind of a, a wiry black guy, uh, British accent. He plays uh, what's the the uh, Tower of Iron guy? Um, goodness gracious! Um, Jax? No, 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 no. It's the it's uh, the Iron Banner guy. Oh, um, uh, Lord Saladin or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, so that that's that, yeah. He's like a a fairly well known British character actor I've seen in two or three. I, that's who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, this this is the the Titan um, Vanguard, the guy in the, the middle long table room is going to play yep, skin. Yep. No, I yeah, got that's, you. Now. That's the one. Um, and then I think the one that 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 Nate was thinking was uh, Nolan North. He plays the he was the replacement for. Um, Dingleberry, <laughs> um, he he plays the ghost, but he was not in that trailer because the ghosts are all gone. Are they are they actually gone in the in Destiny? I, I, they, they weren't in the trailer. Um, in they the, the are current coming Destiny. back for two. Okay, no North confirmed it. That's weird that like they weren't in the trailer because you'd think they'd be somewhere. Whatever, but yeah, in, in currently in in the game they still exist. They just were absent from the trailer, which is a little strange. But uh, yeah, Nolan North is the voice of the ghost. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, we got the Destiny stuff, we got the Star Citizen stuff. Uh, now, one bit of the news that did pop up that people are probably a bit interested in, a bit of a buzz going around, a uh, bit of a Project Nova update. Um, and this isn't through any official means, this is through uh, job listings on the CCP website. Now, this isn't the first time that we've seen job listings um, for you know, an FPS game being developed by Shanghai. But this is the first time that it's specifically cited uh, for Project Nova. And the, the, the two positions are a seed backend engineer and a lead engineer. And what makes it interesting is, one, it's specifically about Project Nova. It, it's clearly stated. And two, it is for the Reykjavik office and not the Shanghai office, which is uh, interesting, to say the least. I, you know, and obviously the implications are a little convoluted. Um, one can imagine in the, the CPM did kind of point this out. They're like, hey, 
look at this guys. Denny Fleetfoot was kind of kind of chatting with us a bit in Discord about it. Um, so in my opinion, it seems like they're moving, at least in some part, the production of the game to the Iceland office and moving away from Shanghai. Uh, what that means is I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It, it could be that they're trying to kind of focus each of the offices on, on a particular you know, um, type of product they're, they're looking to develop. Obviously, uh, the Atlanta office is working on Spark. It's kind of the, the VR game. You've got uh, Newcastle working on Valkyrie. And of course, one of the big ones that Shanghai is known for would be Gunjack. Um, and I'm curious if what they're trying to do is make the Shanghai office more focused on VR phone games in that sort of experience and that keeping kind of their PC games focused in the Iceland office. So that would be obviously Project Nova and EVE Online. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, I've got the links in the, in the show notes here. You can kind of take a look at the actual qualifications. But what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. Do, do we have any – Have has anyone done any, like, studying of, of when CCP Rotati can be detected being, like, online? Is he still on Twitter at all? Can we figure out if he's transitioned to, you know, if he's still posting on China Time or if he's transitioned to, to GMT? I, I I feel I feel like wherever wherever Nova goes, Rotati will go. I, I would like to I would like to point out that this is an unhealthy level of uh, like game developer stalking. I just we, no good put that out there. Dude, we already yeah, well, we, you know. last week we were talking about how much it costs to put put his face on a on a waifu pillow. Okay, I think we've already <laughs> hit unhealthy. We've been there. We've been living there for a long time. By the way, it, you can get one for there. like thirty eight dollars. We're gonna make it happen. Uh, now, well, I'll, so I'll bite. Jesus, the um, I, I do think that uh, until I actually see anything rem- coming out of that studio, like you can't, like you can't count on anything. There's such a, they're so focused on their niche market uh, and their niche niche audience that nothing really. Get, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, it's like Amway. Nothing's getting out of that cult. Now, what I. Now the the huge shining exception to that is what they're trying to do in the VR world, and and honestly, I I think they are probably as far along in the game in terms of that as anybody right now uh, that I can tell. They had a really good run with the Val with Valkyrie. Uh, there's that that game still is quite good. It, it is basically like a really really souped up version of the Star Wars Battlefront, uh, you know, uh, Starfighter mode. Uh, but it, but it's it does the VR piece extremely well. Uh, the com the combat and stuff in in Valkyrie isn't you know it's not over the top. It just it's a it's a really nice looking game and it, and it does VR really well. And I they're trying I think they're trying to add on to that with some of their other properties. But but to be honest with you, I I really don't know what they're doing over there. I mean now they are definitely I can tell you this they're definitely changing Eve Online dramatically. I, I haven't played that game in quite a while, but they're, I keep tabs on it. They're definitely moving that around. I, I'll be honest with you. I like, I'm not really sure why they, why they would put money into an FPS game right now. Um, you know, just, just based on where they're at as a company and what they're working on. I'm, I'm not really sure. I see the percentage of them doing, you know, you know, from a financial standpoint, like where's that, where's that a good idea? Like based on their current track record with it, what they where they would be better off, honestly, is actually uh, outsourcing that IP and that property to to some other game house that will make it uh, make it for them or make it with them, and they would be 
way, 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 way better off. Uh, but I, and it's definitely kind of atypical to how they work. So I, I don't really know what they're doing with it. And, and until you hear anything that sounds like an announcement from them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a lot of thought into it. They're going to make a VR shooter. It's, it it's, it's an open world match three VR shooter. Not even open world. Though. Trading, seriously, with trading seriously. cards, with trading like, cards and social this, features. Yeah, all the e stuff that they're doing though, like with the shooter and and you know and all the the, the VR craze that that Hillmark seems that I, it makes sense in my mind. I mean, Jay's right. They don't have any reason to to make a a shooter. I mean. I assume even Valkyrie are bringing in, you know, loads of cash. That's got to be it. Well, look, there's a it. couple. There's a couple parts to that. The VR stuff is being very successful. So if you if you look at, at CCP's financial report, they're they're in a good spot right now. So it, it's not unrealistic for them to take on um, more risky projects. Uh, I will admit though that it does feel like a, a VR game, or sorry, a shooter a FPS game feels like it's falling outside of what they're doing with everything else because it's pretty much VR everything if you look at anything other than EVE Online. And, and I suspect that they'll have some VR plug-in for EVE at some point so you can fly your ship in first person or some shit. But regardless, um, it, it does. It is, it is strange. So you know, my thought is either it's just a one-off. Um, they, they seem to, from what I can tell, be, be pressing for it. Obviously, they're hiring these new job postings specifically for this project. So they're, they're doing something with it. I don't know if they're doing something different than what we expect. Um, may that be a VR component or something totally different? It's, there's obviously no information. Um, but they're moving forward with something. I'm not sure what to expect exactly. I'm not going to try to speculate because there just isn't enough information out there. Uh, now, one thing that, that Jay said that, that kind of interested me, and, and Denny disagreed with me, but I'm not sure if you know how much in the know he is compared to me on this particular part. Um, obviously, he's more in there than I am. But reading the language of the job description, I got the, I kind of got the, 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 the implication that they were outsourcing part of the development, as in CCP would architect the kind of the, the base foundation of the game, but the actual like coding and programming and a lot of the really, you know, nitty gritty stuff that they screwed up really bad with dust um, would be done by a third party. Now, Denny is saying it's all in house as far as he knows, you know, who, who knows is who is correct. Um, but that, that's just the language I, I kind of got from, from reading the job listing. I invite you to go take a look and kind of form your own opinion. Don't, don't think that I'm saying that's the only way to look at it because it is, Obviously, a job listing which comes with a level of fluff if you've ever written these things before. So, you know, keep that in mind. It comes with a grain of salt. Now, another interesting bit that people are kind of losing their shit over um, under the uh, responsibilities, one of them is integrate, integrate with third party services like PSN, Facebook, and Steam. Um, people are already freaking out, saying, oh my God. PlayStation 4 port confirmed. Um, first of all, it says specifically for the project, it is a PC game. And secondly, Denny already asked about this. And CCP said, no, it is not confirmation of a port or anything related to PlayStation. It's just we want to have people that have a lot of experience in a, in a wide range of topics. Don't go too crazy with your speculation on that one. It's not what you think. Um, what else is there? Oh, uh, it looks like they also are looking for people who have a lot of experience with uh, cloud-based architecture for their servers and stuff. Um, 
which is probably a good thing. It means it's more expandable, less cost for them up front. They can, you know, scale it up or down as they need, uh, which is probably a positive for a free-to-play game. So I'm not surprised by that. You see a lot of companies going that direction with it as well. Uh, Zell could probably tell you a lot more about it than I could, but uh, that's kind of what me and my my IT buddy went over, and that's kind of what he, he was describing to me is, is what he got from, from what they were talking about. So the thing with third-party services, does that open the, the, the possibility to be able to create apps that would sync up with the game? Don't get me fucking started with it if you have. <laughs> Not to bring the Vita in, but like, you know, EVE has all those wonderful, uh, like shit, even the, the EVE Online app, right? Where like you like can... API yeah, stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that's officially, that's officially an EVE Online app. Are there's... you talking about just like third-party stuff? No, like there's an official EVE Online app. Pull it up on the I... phone right now. Is there? Are you <laughs> sure about that? Oh my god, I, guys. Yeah, there was, there was one developed on not here, that long dude. ago. Let me pull up my answer. I'm just curious because, like, for like, I don't know, like 10 years, they refused to let that happen, but they'd sure let everybody else do it. Uh, Open up your app store. That's changed since then. Yeah, there is a there is an official one now. Look at that. It's like Pete's right. Okay, well, sun shines on a dog's ass every once in a while. (laughs) It's it's not a bad weapon. Yeah. So so like on the iTunes Store, for example, uh, it's called Eve Online Portal, and is the official companion app to Eve Online. Um, and I, be- I believe, if I remember correctly, that uh, these apps are in fact fully open source too. Um, that they're, they're, I believe so. Oh. Um, this is one of those things. Um, uh, what's his face? Um, Fox had his hands in when I, I don't think he's still at CCP. I don't remember, but I know that this was a thing of his. Um, was that he pushed a lot of these API sort of stuff forward, and he pushed a lot of it into uh, open source stuff on GitHub. Hmm. To answer your question, though, Bate, every freaking game out there has a phone app now, good and bad. So probably, you know, I mean, it's it, it's just kind of a trend. I, I would expect there to be probably some sort of phone app that you could sync up with, which could be nice, honestly, um, if the game plays at all like it was in Dust. Like I spent a lot of time on protofits.com messing with fittings. It would be kind of cool if I could do that, you know in the app that would actually affect the game. I would have to transfer it over after the fact. So, I mean, that, that would be a positive. I wouldn't be against it if it was done well. But I, I do think a lot of the description of like the job is, is more talking about using cloud services and stuff than th- like them plugging in external services rather than external services plugging into the game. Right, yeah. But yes, I mean, that's that's some interesting stuff going on. I, I, I'm not going to go too crazy with the speculation because, again, it's just a job listing, which is about as broad as you can get because when you're looking for someone to fill a position, you want a wide set of skills. It doesn't necessarily mean they'll be using those skills uh, in the project, so keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get those links up on the website and you can take a look at them for yourself and speculate to your heart's desire. Just uh, don't, do, don't go too crazy with it. Uh, and of course, uh, FanFest is this coming weekend, so you'll be able to, you know, check that out, and we'll probably have something to talk about uh, uh, on that following Sunday. So, but not about uh, Nova. <laughs> I have to. Okay, I have to share this because it's pretty funny. Um, so, Fleetfoot is cosplaying. Oh, oh as, yes, this is something great. for. Um, he's cosplaying as something for for like his Eve character in. Uh, because he's going to FanFest, he's going to cosplay. And so he was talking about what he was doing. And Ripley Riley pipes in and he goes, oh yeah, yeah, I'm cosplaying too. I'm cosplaying as Project Nova. I'm not going to be at FanFest though. <laughs> <laughs> so 
um, <laughs> I, 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 I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, like I said last week, um, in terms of what to expand fest, in my opinion, maybe a brief mention during the keynote is probably about it. So don't don't get your expectations too high. Um, Denny even said, these job listings are just job listings. Don't expect CCP to actually talk to you because they're still in media blackout, whatever. So same shit as usual, you know, be better. It's, I, I understand. Um, but yeah, so that's what's going on with uh, Project Nova and FanFest this coming week. So that's about what we've got in terms of kind of news and what's going on with that. Now, uh, kind of on our ongoing program to do reviews of the free games that are available on Xbox and PS4. Uh, it was my turn this week to test out one of the free games for the month of March. So I gave Tearaway Unfolded a shot. And this is a game that was created by Media Molecule. You'll probably know them as the guys who did a Little Big Planet, um, which was, of course, a paper craft cutesy uh, world building thing and it kind of set the standard for player generated content it was kind of a fun cute performer and you know it, it went through three games and, and a couple spinoffs so you know it, it did quite well so i, I was i was pretty uh, excited to give this one a shot um so tearaway unfolded it was free for playstation plus users for the month of march um and uh, it definitely has that uh, media molecule charm to it. Um, it's, again, everything is made out of paper. Um, you play as this little character who is running around and, and kind of going through a story mode. It's not like a creative mode like Little Big Planet was. You're pretty much just piloting uh, a character through the world, which, honestly, the gameplay felt a bit kind of like the Lego games. Uh, kind of a platformer puzzle collects, uh, in this case, confetti, which you can then spend on cosmetic items. So kind of that same formula. Uh, but what set it kind of apart for me is that, okay, for one, it's medium molecules. So they've got kind of the, the paper art, and they, they animate the stuff in a way that makes it look like it is stop motion. So it's kind of got that like low frame rate um, you know, chunk to it, uh, which is, it's, it's being charming. It, it works well. When I say low frame rate, I mean, the game runs smoothly, but the, the, the effects are kind of like stop motion almost. Um, and what's kind of neat is that it not only breaks the fourth wall, the lack of a fourth wall is a major part of the gameplay. So you come in and the narrator addresses you as you. That's what they call you is you're a you. And, what it's effectively doing, and this is the, the PS4 remake. It originally came out on Vita, but for the, the PS4, when they add some of these new features. And so if you have a PS4, you know that there is a kind of a triangle on the front of the controller facing towards the TV that lights up. And what the game does is that it says, okay, point your controller and hold down R2 or L2 to shine light. And so wherever you point the controller on the screen, that that you know, shape, that, that light shape will appear on the screen. And that's actually a major part of the, the, the gameplay. So um, there's these enemies called scraps and they're kind of turning all of the color, colorful paper to just newspaper. And so you'll shine the light on the newspaper and it kind of makes it burn away and it comes back to, you know, the, the, the colorful original. And the enemies, you can shine the light at them by pointing the, the, the controller at them and you can kind of hypnotize them and, and you know, careen them into hazards to, to, to kill them and whatnot, but you're also um, moving the character with the joystick at the same. So you're kind of doing this like you're aiming the controller, but also simultaneously moving your character around. So it was it was pretty interesting gameplay. Some of it was kind of challenging, but uh, it was it was different. So I, I appreciate that. Um, there was a cool part where you go up and it's the little squirrel king has lost his crown, 
And it goes, well, can you make me a new one? And so it says, trace the shape of a crown on the touchpad, that little you know touchpad in the middle of the controller. And so I draw a crown, and just pick a color, and then um, you like draw a little jewel on it. And then you get to place the cutout that you just drew onto the Squirrel King, and he goes off and does his thing. And I was, I just, I thought it was really kind of cool. It was kind of using all the tools that the PS4 controller had that don't really get used, or they're they're barely used for gameplay in other games, and I thought that was kind of neat. So it was kind of cool playing with that. Uh, another neat thing was the whole thing is paper craft, so it's kind of these folded origami animals and stuff. But as you progress the game, I, I went through a couple chapters, so I played for a couple hours, and um, you unlock recipes. And what you can do is that when you unlock them, you go to the uh, Tearaway website, and you enter in your account information, and the recipes that you've unlocked are available to print out. So you can actually print out the uh, templates for these things, and you can cut them out, out of, in, in, in real life and fold them up to make actual little miniature models of all the characters in the game. And I thought that, again, that's, that was really kind of creative and interesting. Um, so a lot of really cool concepts going on there. Um, just I was really thrilled. It definitely had that media molecule charm to it. Um, in terms of enjoyability, it was fun. I think it was definitely catered more towards a younger audience or people who, you know, really, really like kind of that that style of gameplay. Um, I probably wouldn't devote a ton of time to, to finish the game. It's it's just, it's not quite the level of challenge I, I would like in my games. But if you've got like a younger kid or you really like that style of game, uh, definitely worth your time. Um, it is available until uh, April 4th, so the show may or may not be up before then, so hopefully you've already at least downloaded it or added it to your library so you can give it a shot if you're interested. But uh, if not, it's normally $20 through PSN. Um, it is not a cross-buy because it's a different version than the Vita one, so if you want to buy the PS4 version, it's a different game, and if you want the Vita version, you'll have to pay for a, a different version of it. So keep that in mind when you're making your, your your purchase choice. Um, but yeah, overall, really charming game. Uh, worth your time if you like that, or, or even if you've got a small kid that, that would kind of get a kick out of that. Uh, it is it is pretty good. Um, now for the PlayStation games coming up in April. Um, this is starting, I believe, on the 4th, so it'll become available when the other ones from March drop off. Um, and so for the PS4, we've got Drawn to Death. Also for PS4, we've got Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Uh, if you're playing on PS3, you've got Invisibles, The Lost Kingdom, or Alien Rage Extended Edition. And then for the uh, PS Vita, PS4 cross-buy, and so that means if you pick this up, it works on both your Vita and your PS4. Uh, so there's 10 Second Ninja and uh, Curses and Chaos, and again, those are the cross-buy for, for both the platforms, so that's kind of cool. That is a pretty good rundown, man. There's, uh, like, in all honesty, since we've started doing this segment on the show, I've actually uh, been digging around on the PS Plus a little bit more in the in the free games, and it's uh, there's some pretty good ones floating around in there. Yeah, I mean, they're good for, uh, you know, maybe a couple hours on a weekend, just something to try and break up the, the usual stuff. But uh, there is some good stuff out there. And, of course, we'll get back. Uh, Bate, did you go over April's games last week for the, the freebies? Uh, yes, I did. I can refresh okay. you, though, if, uh, if you'd like. Uh, yeah, if you want to give us a quick rundown, and then uh, we'll have you review one of those next week. Right. So we have April. Let me double-check. I know for a fact we have uh, Rise, Son of Rome. I just added that to my queue uh, as the show is going. Uh, we have Rise, Assassin's Creed Revelations, which is the after the... should start the 16th, I think that date is. Um, some indie game, uh, and Darksiders, and something else. 
Give me just a sec. Alright, so... Ah, here we go. We got Rise, Walking Dead Season 2, Darksiders, Sansa's Creep, Revelations. So, no indie games. Alright, sounds good, man. So you'll you'll play one of those and you'll get back to us uh, next week on that one. Definitely, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, all right, and so Jay, you sound you said you had something uh, you wanted to add about Mass Effect from your your thoughts last week. Uh, yeah, so one of the one of the big discussion points that a lot of people had on Mass Effect generally, and it, it was uh, my review. I think pretty much echoed this was uh, a lot of the concern over things like the the kind of the immersion breaking facial animations and uh, some of the kind of the wonkiness with. Uh, like the interpersonal, the, the character interactions, uh, specifically the visual components of the character interactions. Uh, this was, you know, touted in quite a few uh, like memes that were breaking as soon as the the game was coming out, and that was kind of one of the major major points that uh, people kind of beefed on a little bit about the game. So there, in the last two days, there's actually been a a pretty good chunk of news breaking about this. So it looks like. Um, and this is starting to get widely reported here on, on several different gaming uh, gaming sites. Uh, and it's actually backed up by a Bioware Twitter, which I'll read, read to you guys here in a minute. Uh, it looks like uh, that all of the facial animations, a lot of the, and all the character animations outside of like the combat gameplay, like the kind of the social, the, the walking around social aspect type stuff, that was all outsourced uh outside of Bioware to apparently uh, an EA studio. Like, and it went through reportedly EA Romania is the way this is, is sort of like breaking down. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of quote unquote anonymous sources over at Bioware that, are, that were pretty displeased by this, uh, the fact that it was in fact outsourced. Now, when it first came out originally, there was a discussion about uh, hey, so we understand that you guys outsourced a lot of these animations, and their original, their first statement was something to the effect of, "Yeah, and and we were pretty, and we were happy with how the animations are. It wasn't because it was a cost-saving measure." So I want to follow that up with, after all of this is actually now pretty well, pretty well being laid bare that it was a poor decision by Bioware, either from a cost savings or or probably more likely a cost and time-saving measure. Because they realized that to do what they wanted to do is just simply going to take too much time. They start outsourcing a lot of these things. So there, there's a couple of pieces there. Reportedly, what they used was a very specific uh, type of capture uh, called CyberScan, which is very much that. It's what it sounds like. They do a scan of an object and then apply a very basic sort of movement behavior algorithm to it. All that sounds, you know, kind of really high speed, but what it really does is it takes a really bad, it, it takes a poor picture uh, of something and then tries to overlay it on a wireframe and and basically, you know, make animation with it. And it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty close to auto population too. It doesn't really go after like crafting an individual's look. So that's one of the reasons that like Mass Effect Andromeda, just like some of their interactions just really don't look good. It just really gets into that uh, outside of the uncanny valley, so to speak, if you will. So on the top of all this, uh, here earlier this week, uh, Bioware released a, uh, a statement, and it was a message from Matt, from the Mass Effect Andromeda team. I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, and this came out over Twitter. 
uh, to our players. It's been a week since we officially launched Mass Effect Andromeda World Worldwide, and we couldn't be more excited that our fans are experiencing everything they we've worked so hard to create. Now the now it gets into the fun part. We've received quite a bit of feedback, some of it positive and some of it critical. That feedback is an important part of our ongoing support for the game, and we can't wait to share more of our immediate plans with you on Tuesday the 4th. Uh, in the meantime, keep your feedback coming, our team's listening, working around the clock to gather information and plan out solutions to improve and build on Mass Effect Andromeda. So it, it clearly sounds like they they understand what the issue what the issue was. And probably by the time they got this stuff back from the uh, you know the complete products back from uh, whoever they outsourced it to uh, through the EA venue and then interlaced it back into the game. It was just too, you know, you had to go with what you had. Um, so that definitely, I think, stung them pretty, pretty good. My suspicion is that on the, on Tuesday, they're going to announce a pretty hefty patch, you know, which is what normally happens in these games nowadays. You get a, a pretty significant patch, you know, coming out of the gate that fixes a lot of the bugs and a lot of other rough edges and stuff like that. Now, a lot of the things that I was talking about, and, and I think a lot of the other reviewers around the web were talking about, that's not something you're going to fix with a patch. But I think the acknowledgement of of it was sounds to me like a pretty good thing. Uh, if, I'll be interested to see what they actually come up with on the fourth. I'll be I'll be trying to keep an eye on that one. So that's something to keep you know just kind of keep keep your mind on, and maybe uh, you know watch the interwebs on the fourth and see what they see what they come back with. And uh, might be pleasantly surprised. Uh, ongoing ongoing review. I'm pretty deep. Uh, well, I'm fairly deep into the game right now. It actually does pick up. It, like the story, just like the gameplay aspect, actually does get pretty decent. Uh, it's really marred again by the UI and some of the the interactions that you have. So the writing of it is pretty good. It's extremely deep. A lot of good stuff going on in it. So I'll still stand by my review. It's probably you know 7.5 or 8 out of 10. Uh, which means I would recommend it. You know, you got to walk in with a little bit of uh, like if you just like like pretend it doesn't say the word Mass Effect on it and just says the word Andromeda, you're, you'll feel a lot a lot better about the game. Uh, and we'll we'll kind of see how it goes. And and in a other note, one of the one of the rumors that I've seen specific to Mass Effect Andromeda is that uh, there will apparently be well. Not apparently be, but there is some serious speculation there will be DLC uh, planets and systems that bring in some of the other aliens that we did not see that were from the original Mass Effect, uh, and it will add some of the some of the new aliens. And that was sort of their plan over time: is that they populate other other systems in the you know in the new galaxy. Now, I, I think that is very much speculation at this point because the game doesn't like it doesn't exactly feel that it was built that way. Uh, so I'll be pleasantly surprised if that's one of the things they announced coming up. And that goes my update. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll probably be covering that um, ongoing. It's obviously uh, <laughs> a bit of a bit of drama for, for Bioware, but it is good that they are actually getting out there and saying, yeah, we got to fix some stuff and not pulling a hello games where they were in radio silence for like a month. <laughs> about no man's sky and they're like oh yeah there's there's an update coming um it'll fix some things i guess it was it was bad like their their silence was, <laughs> was really bad so it's good to see bioware at least manning up and getting out there so we'll see how they do yep all right guys i think we're we're about that time here so we're gonna go into some shout outs so 
funny. Yes. Tell me you're ready. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, so the shout-out I want to give to is actually um, Reddit's uh, April Fool's thing really isn't – like. What Reddit does for April Fools or has for the last couple of years isn't really so much a prank as it is a really clever social experiment. Um, last uh, last year they had one called uh, R the button and uh, everyone could push the button within you know had a certain amount of time between times they could push the or no 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 they can only push it once with an account was what it was and uh, the game ended if the button uh, went unpushed for like a full. 60 seconds so it, it was kind of an interesting thing to see how 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 long it stretched out how how long the game continued with with various reddit accounts and stuff and this year they have one uh, that's called our place and it's a big uh it's a big pixel art thing where every five minutes each account can place one pixel of one color on the board and so they've got all these so there are different uh, subreddits that are kind of trying to get their brand on things. There's some Overwatch logos on there. There's Big Heroes of the Storm logo that was on there at least at one point. I don't know if it's still there. And uh, so, you know, people would collaborate as their, with their subreddit to, to develop these, you know, pixel art logos all over this board. And it's almost covered. It's covered like the whole thing um, a few times over. And then people are, have to, of course, defend their their logos from other people putting pixels on them. Um and then there's a couple of really meta ones that, like, there's one called, um, uh, literally a Reddit form just around this is for uh, our farm carrots, where they're just making little carrot pixel arts repeatedly. Um, and then there's one with, like, some flag hearts. And then the one that I think is the funniest is there's one called Green Lattice, and their goal is just to, like, coat as much of this as possible in this green lattice pattern. Except they they have specific rules like that they try and coexist and surround good quality pixel art, you know, and and maintain the lattice around those items and and it's really really funny how meta this has gotten, um and it it's uh you know just this neat little art experiment that they've been doing. I actually saw those. I wasn't sure what they were when when Jadik was posting them in the Discord chat, but now that I know, that's that's actually pretty badass. So that that's a cool shout out, man. All right, and you thought out. I wasn't going to be ready. I, you were ready. You had a good one. So uh, it's, a, it's a good one for, for episode 150. All right, Pete, you're up, man. All right, man. My shout out first and foremost is going to go to the, the, the group of, of my friends who are organizing the Pathfinder game uh, for the summer, which is going to be fantastic. I got a couple of character ideas, right? My next shout out is not so friendly. It goes out to Microsoft. So I go to boot up my Xbox. It was this last night. And I find that the Xbox is updated. I'm like, okay, this no big deal. Happens, you know, every now and then it's a console. Shit happens, right? Well, I go and they've changed my home menu. And it pisses me off. What they've done is not only have they cluttered my little sidebar. So when you go and you're holding your Xbox controller and you're in a game, for example, right? You would push the home button and it would take you. To the fucking home menu, okay, where you could see all your your games and your apps, and you know you had the sidebar that showed your friends and whatnot. Well, this it takes you to a guide column which has your most recent apps and your stuff your little sidebar, but it's just it's different, and I don't like it. It does, however, make screenshot the uh, screenshotting and recording easier. But if I want to go to the home, I gotta push the button navigate all the way down to the bottom 
to the home tab and click it and then i can go to the proper home menu and this is upsetting they f they fixed quote unquote something that wasn't broken and that's my not so nice shout out we got an entire segment on bait just bitching about various things we're gonna do it man every we're week gonna it's gonna called bait's bitching corner we can do a there whole show it could be a whole, whole show a whole separate show nah <laughs> all right livy you're up and bait's bbc there you go. Uh, anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> my shout out goes to, I uh, came across a picture. Uh, whoever put a salad bowl on Lord Saladin's head <laughs> made my evening for today. I'll have to share the pictures, picture with you guys, but there it goes. Is it bad that I desperately want to like Destiny 2? Because it, it did have some really good moments and I just couldn't get past the bad ones. Like, like uh, gosh. I, I have to say, I had... I because I came into Destiny at the Rise of Iron or not the Rise of Iron, but the uh, whatever, Taken whatever King. Yeah, yeah, the Taken King. Like I, that's what I saw was you know that version forward. So I didn't have to live through all the drama that everybody else did. I was like, I didn't really have any bad times in Destiny. I just got like, I just got tired of it. You, you run out of stuff to do really, really quick. Uh, but so I, I'm, I'm still like, if you're gonna show me Destiny two, show me something I ain't seen before. <laughs> Yep, yep. All right, shout out for you, Jay. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to. Let me see. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling on that one. I have no shout. I have no. I have no you, massive you shout out. He's pulling his L. Okay. Oh All right. Yeah, okay. Yes, I Shots do have a shout out. I'd like to give a, I'd like. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Cherry Coke Zero, which is a thing. And if you if you're not into it. You're, you're, you clearly need to get with the times. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my Steel Series gaming keyboard that I, I recently unboxed, uh, which is actually quite good, and it pairs very well with my uh, little Death Adder Razer Chroma like uh, gaming mouse that I'm sitting here clicking around on the interwebs about. And I'd like to give a shout out to uh, hang on, let me look around the room real quick, North Face and REI, because apparently I own stock in both of those companies. Uh, <laughs> that's who I'm giving my shout-out to tonight, brother. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, and my shout-out's going to be actually to the Phoenix Symphony. Um, went and saw Beethoven's Ninth uh, last night. Absolutely fantastic. Really great performance. It's my favorite piece of music, so it was a real treat to go see it. So uh, shout-out to them for a, a great performance on that. Uh, with that said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 150. Uh, we'll probably do something special for 153, which is our, our technically our, our three-year mark. So we'll, we'll figure something out and then come back to you with that. But uh, again, thanks for, for tuning in. If you have any topics you want us to cover, any points of discussion, any cool things you see online, or you want to just come on the show and talk, just let us know. We're more than happy to accommodate you. So that being said, uh, everyone have a great night and be safe out there.